Osiris. Count to three. Come with me, and you'll be in a world of... Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. You have found Daniel Donato's Lost Highway. That lost highway. Yes. Howdy, friends. Welcome back to the Lost Highway podcast. Um, this is the podcast of all things Cosmic Country. My name is Daniel Donato, and thank you so much for joining me again. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Osiris Media, because this road needs a place to go. I want to share with you guys a quote that I recently read by one of my absolute favorites, uh, Carl Jung. And it's a very simple one. It is, thinking is difficult. That is why most judge. Thinking is difficult. That is why most judge. We just got off tour. We were on tour for two weeks in Denver, Crested Butte, Fort Collins, Tulsa, Texas, and within Texas, we were in Austin, Dallas, Amarillo. We were in a lot of places. And we were on tour with the Kitchen Dwellers. And one thing I noticed myself doing when I was running low on the positive, patient, and persistent mindset was I was resulting to a lot of judgment. And the judgment came from a lot of internal dialogue and I was judging myself probably 2x to the degree I'd be judging others. Now there's a very fascinating thing about consciousness and focus that what you put your mind's eye to and your physical eyes to are what you absorb and these are the things sights, scents, subtle sounds that you enhance your conscious experience with. Are you enhancing it with positive energy or negative energy? And are you doing it in a way that is integrated and efficient for your person and your immediate environment and your vision? And I found that when I was judging myself, a lot of it was thinking something and then attaching myself to the feeling and then saying I was the feeling. So well, I made a, a stupid move, messed up something on stage, anything. I would judge myself and then I would attach my sense of self to said thought. But if you can kind of rely on the benevolent hammock that is the universe, it makes sense to not react immediately. And it makes sense to think. It's hard to think because there's two voices that happen when thinking. That's why thinking is so much more of a probable event when you're doing it with an external being. But if you're doing it with your own person internally, the thing that allows me to at least attempt this act, which is quite difficult, is that I just accept the idea that everything is interesting before it is bad and or good. Most of the time when you have an emotional reaction to something that's within an immediate time frame, you're reacting to it in a way that is 
good or bad. And when, when things are posed as good or bad, you, you instantly lose IQ points. <laughs> and this is the actual thing. This is, this is a real fact. So, thinking is difficult. That is why most judge. If you find yourself attaching yourself to your thoughts and not recognizing the, the literal concept that thoughts are really just meta object, objects. Think about all the objects you don't observe. There's more objects that in places, sense, and subtle sounds that you will not observe than you will. And so what you do observe and, and how you look into the abyss is how the abyss looks into you. Take the time to think. There's a lot of work that gets done on the inside that people aren't seeing. There is a lot of progress to be made by starting at the top of a problem and getting all the way down into the roots of it. And it's usually causal in terms of the analysis. So, thinking is difficult, as my most judge. If you find yourself flailing from one side of the polars to positive to negative quite often, and you're not in that happy medium, then take the time to think. And also, I want to bring in a message from one of our sponsors, which is BetterHelp. If you are having issues with thinking, or if you're having issues with depression, anxiety, work-life, relationship problems, anything of that nature, betterhelp.com slash lost highway is going to get you 10% off today. Um, I use BetterHelp during the pandemic, and it, it was actually quite a nice experience. If you don't want to go into the office, you don't want to leave your workplace, you want to have a safe real conversation with somebody who understands you from an analytical level that you are not presently able to conjure and or perceive, this is just a brilliant solution. Betterhelp.com slash Lost Highway. Thanks to our sponsors, Topo Chico. Thanks to our, to our media partner, Osiris Media. Thank you, the listener, for joining me back here today. I appreciate your patience in how long it's been since the last episode. Um, touring and, and focusing on writing new music and trying to realize that vision is it's quite the task I love all of you so sincerely much in a place of no space and time it's almost like love is a reality that fuels all of the many objective realities that and uh, personal realities that we all participate in uh, the singular objective reality and then all the billions of personal realities the, the constant the LCD of it all is love and I guess love would also be the fuel for thought. Because if you truly do want to arrive at a state where love is present and electrically sound within any given landscape, meta or not, thinking gets you there, love gets you there. So think, love, and stay cosmic. My next guest today is Miss Lee Ann Felon. She is uh, one of the most brilliant minds that I have ever had to the opportunity to speak with and be friends with. Her career is rather immense. A uh, 25 year veteran music executive, and she runs her own company now called LP Creative Management, which is an artist, songwriter, producer, management, consulting, and publishing house of some degree. 
how she started her career is absolutely insane. And we'll get into that in our podcast. But she has worked at ASCAP. She's represented some of the most brilliant songwriters Nashville has ever seen. She's worked at Sony Nashville as uh, A&R, VP at Combustion Music. Uh, she started music in music publishing in 1996. She's spoken at over 200 events, including the ASCAP award shows. She just understands this kind of behind the veil of music and how it all happens from the rawest form of a song idea to somebody's favorite song that they play at their wedding. She's a brilliant person. And I went out into her, her, her lovely house out in the woods in, in Middle Tennessee on a, on a rainy afternoon and we had very insightful conversation on mental health and best practices and just these wild stories of how some songs that were never meant to be became some of the biggest songs in history. And it, it truly is a nonlinear conversation that is just full of a, a lot of great moments. And I'm very excited for you guys to dig into her approach and her philosophy. Be sure to check out LP Creative Management. She hosts seminars all the time, um, get-togethers in town in Nashville where you can come and s- s- sit down with her and then also her circle that is uh, very uh, wealthy in terms of knowledge and experience and, and learn from them. She, she's quite brilliant. Um, meet my friend Leanne Felon, everyone. Everything's set to volume-wise, so we are, we're good. I like these pens. I like to use the Arteza roller pens, like, but these Uniballs are... Oh, oh, that's my favorite of the three. Cool. Well, sorry, this one. Oh, the Pilot yeah, is? Try, try it. You Do you write a lot? Because mm-hmm. you do the private... So, the private sessions, I would do those probably on the computer, but you write them out. I'm very tactile. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> What does that mean exactly? Like How's that? you want to feel things. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I want to, I like texture and stuff like that. Wow, this writes marvelously. Yeah. Wow. I'll turn this lighter so I'm gonna do this. This goes in one. Oh, those are cool. Oh wait, there's a little Buddha. Yeah. So there's a Buddha right outside of Nashville. <laughs> Why is he? What's he doing here? Well, That's are great. Are we rolling? Mm-hmm. Oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Every podcast I have, almost all of them go that way where it's like, are we doing this right now? Yeah, I just like to start it and cuz that's how honestly how I like shows to go. Um oh. it's just like fly, just fly by the seat of your pants and just trust like it goes, you know, and, and just let it take over, like be present in the moment and let it happen. Oh, I love it. I, I think that's the best way. I was just having a conversation with the the new group of workshop uh, people, songwriters on Monday. Who, how many are in the workshop? Um, about 15. Cool. That's, that's small enough. It is. It's yeah. small enough to have a great conversation. Right. Um, and like not too many people. Like I would think if you have that many people in a group together, they're going to start performing. Like not yeah. in a literal way, but like in a personality way. Like, Well, I think that could happen. But on the very first day... Um, the, the first thing we do is, is we have an intro day. Like we all introduce ourselves and I make it a point to 
encourage everybody to be really vulnerable and not mm. say not be like social media you know right but say like i'm i've really been struggling with such and such or i don't even know if i'm good enough to do this but it's you know it's scary for me to even be in this workshop or whatever and so it starts out like that and then Great. people just dive in but we got right. to the point on monday where I was asking people to think about what is their why for even doing this. Good. And <laughs> I That's, love your well, reaction. Like, well, I love Carl Jung. And he like, oh. his thing is if you have your why, you can overcome anyhow. Ooh, I like that. And I don't think, I think his verbiage was much better than mine. But that's the core of it, is that's that if you know your why, you can overcome anyhow. And it's like, I think anyone who hears that has a is challenged to disagree with that sentiment. It's like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's a tough thing to do. Well, we got in this really deep discussion about that, and like, is performing about you or is it about the fans? Mm -hmm. And one of the that's interesting yeah. thing. Okay. okay. Yeah. So cool. one of the, there was and there were different differing opinions, but one of the songwriters just had this beautiful answer. I wish I had listened to it right before this so I could say exactly. But she basically said, I think the perfect spot for me is when I am humble and big at the same time. Mm -hmm. And she, she was basically saying like, something's moving through me, so I'm humble by what's moving through me, but I'm also big enough to let that thing come to touch other people. And I just loved so the simple. way she described that. Her name is Jersey. Jersey, what does she do she's musically? A, well, she's a songwriter and a performer. And um, she also does Reiki. Mm -hmm. So she's she's really in tune. I'm just getting to know her. So Wow. Yeah. Uh, what? How old are these people that sit down with you? Does it vary in age? It varies. I it bet. really varies, and even the level of where people are at varies. Oh, right. Um, what level and what level and how uh, they can communicate and express their feelings, or like career-wise? Career-wise, like right. I've had, I've had a person in in the workshop. This this isn't a workshop for songwriting. I mean, to learn how to write a better song. But it's more about the business around that, the inspiration, the mindset, the the business of inspiration is interesting. Um, the the business around your creativity or just staying. Right. I mean, because it's it's as Brandy Clark said on my workshop, it's ninety eight percent failure writing songs. So you better freaking love to write songs. That was her advice. To love I the love process. Of yep, love the process. Right, so if you're failing at something like 98% of the time, then you have to have like a converse of success in some way, like it, on that percentage of a time. So you have to like love the idea that you just showed up that day and right. that you got it done. Right. And like that's the thing that you can at least feel successful for at the bare minimum, right? Right, and I think, I think it is not the bumper sticker enjoy the journey no, i think yeah, it's yeah. the actual realization of the each present moment the journey of your life and i know i've seen you know one of your latest videos about i mean your story 
Which but, video was that? Well, the one about you, you were busking on <laughs> Broadway right, and then yeah. you played, you know, like, yeah, yeah. that's your story. And like, you, I bet you really enjoyed that. And I, I remember the guy that called you up on stage the first time, like this whole thing, I see the enjoyment in your face when you tell it. And yeah. it's enjoyable to listen to. That's the whole vibrational mm -hmm. thing that we were talking about. By the way, with podcasts, I never like have an hour conversation with people before. So I, I already know this conversation is going to be very fun, which it has been, but it's very true. Like the vibration of that story is a thing too, because mm -hmm. it's like coming from a place that is sincere and more feeling than it is thinking. It's like more solar plexus. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that I was in that headspace. Um, for a while, but there was something recently that, that put me in that headspace and it was this, um, oh, cool. so, and, and just like, you know, changing up my business a little bit Right. this past year, I mean, pivoting I, as they call it. Yeah. Right. The pivot. Um, I mean, I still manage people, manage artists, um, and producers and songwriters, but last year, I started doing these workshops online and then I was hosting them. Yeah. Hosting right. them, leading people. Cause I've, I've done a lot of different things in my career, but the, the, the thread through it all is working with songwriters and, um, you know, connecting people and just, I don't know. It's just like meeting you. Um, it's just so fun for me. Like I just want to be around creative people I want to be creative myself. I respect songwriting so much. I respect songwriters, um, performer. Like I, I, I just love seeing people that have what you have, which is you have this, this unexplainable thing where people just want to watch you, you know, I mean, you can sing and have fun and maybe even have a little success at it. Like I did but I, I couldn't hold people's attention with my voice or my performance, you know? I think my thing's like, it's the thing that happens when I align like with my guitar, with a band, and the audience, and it all becomes one thing. And it's like, it took me a while, like living in Nashville, to have a strength in that. Mm -hmm. And like, say that's where I'm standing. Because mm -hmm. there's so many different forms of the thing here. There's like the people who like ha hold the SM58 like on front of the stage thing. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, so you, at least if you have my mind, the way I thought about it was like, oh, I have to be that thing. Because like, that's the way to do it. <laughs> but then like, I just had to live more and essentially see, see more thematic occurrences of success occur in so many different kinds of people that you realize like, you can be just you and be successful. And like you have to lean into what like your strengths are and not focus on your weaknesses. But you have all these other versions of success that are your weaknesses. Right, I think your weakness becomes your strength sometimes. That's an interesting way to, to phrase it. Yeah. How so? Uh, well, like if you, <laughs> I hate that my first example that's coming up is no. like the, the no current president he stuttered and now he speaks for a living right you know what i mean like so that probably became a strength for him um but 
not to use politics, but I um, even more musically, like maybe like Bob Dylan's the example everyone right. talks about. It's like you know, or like I think John Anderson has a pretty weird voice, right? But oh it's my. like so beautifully him, so beautiful. I I think it was I forget who said this, but it's somebody said about him that that his his it sounds like he had a wah-wah pedal yeah. or something yeah which is so funny but, um, <laughs> right I, I didn't mean to go off on that tangent there but i just wanted to like kind of clarify because when you said that i have the thing i had to like stop and like remind myself like well what does that mean like to me you know i think it means something to everybody like you have the thing where it's like What's the difference between you and the thing? Are you not the thing simultaneously? Like, well, okay. Isn't that a part of Buddhism? Like, you can't be on the road unless you are the road, or, or something like that. Or I wish I knew the answer to that, but just you even saying it, it resonates with me. I think, okay, from a songwriter perspective, right. I think this happens to a lot of people. Um, I think you love to write songs and and then maybe you write enough really interesting songs to even get a publishing deal. Right. And then you get in that publishing deal and there's a lot of pressure that comes with that. And then you start like what pressure? Like getting cuts, like just say, you know, in the best scenario, you have 4 years to get something happening with that publisher. And each year, you know, your options up. So it's a lot of pressure. So you have like four years essentially to cultivate. Well, a, a lot of deals songs. are like, they'll be like the initial period plus three options. Mm -hmm. So if you're lucky, you know, they'll keep picking you up or whatever. Um, if it's a great situation. And, but, but so you're new, you're, you're looking around and, you know, maybe this person at your company is getting this type of song cut and this other type of song is getting cut. And so you, you know, it's so natural to think like, Oh, I should be doing that. Let me try to write those. And then you get into the deal. And at some point, I think a lot of writers get really frustrated and just go, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm just going to, I like, pop songs and I'm going to write pop songs frustrated. So like they get a chip on their shoulder of just them, like not being them for long right. enough. They get frustrated trying to be something else. And, right. and, and then what happens is right. I think along that road, they've actually learned the craft, picked up the craft, but right. then they're strong enough to actually be who they were in the first place. There was, um, there was a great, um, uh, master class with Alan Shamblin, who who co-wrote "I Can't Make You Love Me," co-wrote "House That Built Me," like these great great songs, and he said that like his first publishing deal, he and he talks about how hard he worked, and then his publisher pulled him into her, her office and said, "These so I know you're working hard. These songs aren't as good as the ones we signed you." for and I, I want you to go back to texas and just get back in touch with your roots and he did that and then he came back and wrote i thought he walked on water so like it's just i think wow. it's a process and he said wow, in that crazy. master class he said um he went to austin city limits and kai fleming and 
right. Mike Reed and Don Schlitz and people were wow. playing. Yeah. And that Mike Reed said to him, you know, met him. You know, are you a songwriter? Yes, I am. How's it going? It's not going too good. Alan says, and Mike says, you know, how long you been doing it? Whatever, two years, let's just say. That might not be the right time frame, but then Mike said to him, now it's time to write something you care about. Oh, mm -hmm. what does that mean? You've learned the to craft. You've, right. you've done it long enough in this professional setting, and now it's time to, what we're talking about, like be you. Like right. what do you care about? Right, because it's almost like, the, the thought that I've had recently, I would say recently, like I'm very new to this idea that you're talking about, but like everything you're saying is like in my recent history, like how you go to like Safari and you see what your recent searches were. Yes. Like in terms of me working on myself, this realization that you're talking about, this truth, mm -hmm. I'm very new to it, but I already feel it like on a seismic level how it just needs to settle in more and I need to live with it. It's like mm -hmm. a new stiff leather jacket. You're like... You don't even know if you're cool enough to be wearing it yet mm -hmm. or like a hat or something you know it's like this new thing you're incorporating into your identity essentially um i think that literally is what it is and it's like so the idea of you doing things that you care about i i wonder this this is what i'm getting to is like for you to have like started working on things that you didn't care about that would mean that like you thought you were one day going to become that thing or you were going to one day be successful at something that you essentially thought was the thing to do but isn't what you care about but it's like there is no one day like there's only today right so like it all comes back to like what are you doing right now and if you don't really care about that work and the only like seed that has laid that work for you is like the idea that it'll one day pay off your payoff's impossible because there is no there is no such thing, right? And and I've actually researched that term oh. recently um, because they talk about it with sports figures and things like that. And I know that people that get number one songs sometimes it's not what you think. Like it's kind of depressing almost. Like <laughs> you reach the goal and then it's like, oh my god, I got to do this again. And so uh, it's called. Arrival fallacy. That's the only thing I could find online that meant that. Like you get to that mm -hmm. end point or that thing, that prize, winning the Super Bowl or whatever, and you feel horrible. Cause right. Because you, you, you weren't present enough to see that it was the journey, which is, I think, why we started on this in the first place, but... um. So in, in following this business path that changed mm -hmm. the big pivot or whatever, um, I had a friend of mine in the business reach out and say, Hey, I, I don't, you know, I know you're meeting with people and you probably don't want to meet with the kid, but I have this friend from college and her kid really loves, uh, to write songs and you probably don't do that. But I just, and I was like, I'll do it, yeah. you know, I, yeah. I'm, I'm good. I'll reach out. So I reach out. Humble enough to reach out. Wow. Oh, absolutely. Right. And is that something that you worked on or is that just who you are? Do you think? I listen, I, I don't, I, I think that's probably, uh, 
I, I'm pretty humble almost to a fault, I think. Same here. Same here. I'm realizing that. I see that all the time. It's like, yeah. oh, you don't gotta, you don't have to be that humble. You don't have to work that hard. Yeah. Like you can let it fly a I little. Bet, I mean, I don't really know how to. But with, with reaching out people on a business level, that makes sense. Just yeah, so well, with this, it was, you know, a really young kid. So I reached out to the mom, you know, so the mom and I just instantly started talking, hit it off. And, um, she was in the food industry. That's all I knew, you know, and we were talking about creativity and all this stuff. And I could tell she really loved her job. And I, and that was exciting to me. I, I just, and I said to her, I go, gosh, it really sounds like you love what you do. Oh, I do. I just love it. And, um, and then she told me, um, uh, that she managed quite a few people and, um, she, she just said, I'm in the food industry. And I said, well, um, a girl that I went to high school with is, is an attorney in the food industry, like a, like a well-known brand. It's fascinating to me because all I know is music and, um, business level. That's what you've ever yeah. Done. And Bye. just talking about my friend who actually, um, I've had these private sessions with on just bringing more creativity into her life. Cause she's an attorney and this, you know, business that's not as creative. So anyway, I was telling the mom about this and the mom said, Oh my gosh, I'd love for you to talk to my employees. And I was like, really? And I got, I did. Have you ever done this Daniel? Like I did the moment she said that I got this really like electric feeling. Like it, it was almost like for a second, I get like this aerial view of, of all these things that connected and I don't know what it was, but I was like, I didn't even know who she was, but I thought I'm going to talk to her employees. And it turns out she works for Kraft Heinz, which is a huge company. Mm -hmm. And so fast forward six months, I end up speaking to the people at Kraft Heinz in their national sales meeting. Yeah. It was so oh. fun, but there was a whole journey to that. Of you course. know, there was an amalgam of present moments. Right. Yeah. And what are you going to say to them? What are you, you know, the whole thing creating oh. the whole thing. And then there were several meetings with different executives to see if I could be on their docket for their meeting. So my big point that's taking way too long to get there is it happened no, in June on zoom and it was a 30 minute like uh breakout session for them and then it was over right so i that know, was it anything ever right well i i you know changed clothes got my dogs to come out on the road and i was walking down the road like every other day and i thought wow that just happened wow that that was a whole six month process and oh my gosh it was so fun meeting deborah and then when we came up with these subjects that we could talk about or that I could talk about. And she really helped me so much. And then we had that meeting and then we had like, and I was like, Oh my gosh, it's the journey. Like mm. it wasn't the 30 minutes that I was speaking to the sales team. It was all the, the accomplishments to get there, right. you know, creating something to say and following through and, 
just practicing, you know? Thinking of something to say. Yeah. That, talking about songwriting, it's like. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the thing. It was yeah. so fun. Of course. But, but it How'd was, you go about thinking about what to say? Did you ask questions? Did you take in data? Um, I did both of those things. Right. And then I just thought about. Just rain. Rain out here is so nice. It's so nice. Yeah. Um, what yeah. I really thought about was how people mm-hmm. think the music business is so exciting and how, okay, this is a whole other subject, but <laughs> songwriters are entrepreneurs. In what way? In every way. Like you have a product that you're trying to get out into the world and you're trying to connect with people and you run up against resistance and you have to push through and you expression have to, right yeah you have to find the team and like you get like most every songwriter or artist that i know gets to the point of like where somebody could just pat them on the back and go you know what good try you really it's not happening for you but way to go you really gave it a good shot but they push through you know it's like and, and do you think that some of them should push through like is it is it such a big deal for your for your dream to not be the thing that was right for you? And that's a pretty brutal question, but like, <laughs> I just think it's something, well, you gotta, the only reason is because like I ask myself that, like I ask myself that thing, like, you know, which this might be wrong, it might be too in my own head. And then I think about it with, in regards to other people or just in hearing really successful people, like their dream, like John Peets is a great example. Mm. You know, like John moved here to be a songwriter. Wow, it's I worked like, with him for a minute and I did not know that. But he's really like a brilliant manager in both an abstract brilliant. way and in like yeah. a quantitative way. Like mm-hmm. just huge businesses. And it's just like but such he, individualized artists. That he, he almost creates his own supply and demand chain. It's like the way he creates a career helps do it. It's like. But does he love it? I'm sure he loves it. I'm sure he fucking loves it. He has yeah. a black Tesla that he drives to work and loves it. <laughs> every time i've spoken with him too he always is like he doesn't wear he wears a t-shirt everywhere he goes and it's like always a piece of merch from his artist it's like he found his individualized role in life but it's like the thing that i see all the time is like people's projections of who they are and sorry if i'm overhauling this um but like their projections of who they want to be are like stopping them from like really seeing like what they're should be well i mean i i think you do have to listen you gotta listen you gotta you gotta listen and pay attention because like i i could say in my own life i had no i i was a singer i had no um nothing publishing work the none of that was on, even in my mind and oh. i yeah wow. and and for whatever re- i i this is bizarre that this even mm-hmm. happened i mean i'm from trenton tennessee and i um uh steve winwood married um a friend of mine from my hometown and she <laughs> asked me i know bizarre One of the best uh, from trenton tennessee she asked me to sing was. at their wedding oh did you get nervous having to sing at steve winwood's wedding i did um and this is even more bizarre i was 19 um had never been on an airplane before right never been to new york 
And myself and the Presbyterian preacher from Trenton flew to New York to sing at this wedding. And and the harpist and flautist, I guess you would say, from the Metropolitan Opera were my accompaniment. Mm -hmm. Is that like crazy? Like you can't make that up. So that happened. I was pretty confident as a singer. I I performed my whole life. I'd already had jobs and stuff. But... um, Two years later, when Steve did the Roll With It tour, which was like the top pop tour of the summer, um, he asked me to go. So I was like touring the world with him. Wow. It, it was crazy. So I only had that on my brain. Wow. And then I got on some other tours. What other tours? Um, there was a pop artist named- Did you move to New York or LA? Did you say I I moved to Nashville. Smart. So you went. You went for it. Which is good. You but, followed but I, it. But I didn't have um, being an artist. Or, like I, I just I loved being a background singer, right. and I think I knew that I didn't have what you have, and that's okay, so that plays into like what I was ultimately meant to do. But I, oh. I, I got on some other tours, and then I. I've just been talking about this in the last couple of weeks and didn't really realize this, but um, I had gotten an audition for Winona on her first solo record. It's my first country. I wasn't a country singer, but that was a pretty pop-ish record. Um, And it got down to myself and this other girl. We came back the next day and sang with the band. And I did not get the job. The other person did. And three days later, they were on David Letterman, and the, that background singer was right behind Winona on TV, and I was crushed. Like, well, you're comparing yourself to her. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, oh, my life is over, you know? Right. Like, she took something that only was like, there was only one of that, and you think it can't happen again. Yeah. And I was just like, I really don't like, like, I felt like it was so out of control for me. Yeah. It, but I think that was really like a beautiful no in my life because it made me pivot into publishing. I I actually started working at a studio in town and then pivot pivoted over into publishing, which it was just like divine guidance because I didn't know that I was gonna love publishing. What do you think made you like give that up right there and like go into publishing? Because, like, I know a lot of people that would have, like, said, oh, I kept going. Well, I had, and, and the same thing, like, on the Henry Lee tour, it got cut short. You know, you th- I, I thought I had, like, six more months of work. And then right. I just started not liking, not knowing, you know, just planning your life out six months at a time or, right. you know. Right. It's weird. It is weird. It's a weird thing to do with your life. Yeah. It's definitely a weird way to go about it. And I, I have empathy for musicians that you know that do that um it but i also and this is like completely no disrespect but i remember thinking this at you know 25 or whatever i and uh, you know i thought i don't know if i want to be a 40 year old background singer which there are amazing background it doesn't matter how old you are I just remember thinking that when I was 25 whether that was wrong or right or whatever but for me I just thought I don't know if if 
because I didn't want to be an artist. Right. I didn't know if I wanted to just. Your threshold is limited. Yeah. You could, but you could have done, yeah, right. You could have been session singer and, and done that. But well, one of my best friends is um, an amazing background singer in, in her 50s. She travels the world. Wow. I mean, you can do that. But there's, there was just something about me. I knew that I didn't didn't want to do that for some reason yeah but it's just like those desires those little drop-in moments like if you do pay attention it's like just you know giving you a little push over here and um the minute i got into publishing and i was a receptionist and tape copy person but it's like i just understood the whole like communication with musicians and because i was a singer like i could figure out what people wanted to say, where the sweet spot was in their voice, how wow. they say, you know, and, and it was just such a great fit for me. Right. So, well, so you were good at it when you started it. Well, no, I, but I, I knew it was for me. Right. Right. And, and I was working with a guy named Steve Markland that I went to college with and like, Steve was so awesome. Like I remember he, you know, we had a small office A&R people would come in like Allison Jones came in for a meeting. She's still like one of the best A&R people in Nashville. Um, and she's been doing it for so long. And I, I can remember Steve and Allison having a meeting and like, just even though like I might be at the front desk typing out lyrics or something, I could hear like, Right. Steve would play a song and Allison would respond to that. Like I could hear how an A&R meeting would go right. and how right. Steve would take what she said and give, you know, play something different. And like, you know, back then you like right. being the catalog manager, all those songs are transferred over into real time. And so I learned the catalog. And so I, I just got like such an education there. Have you so, seen songs change? Have you seen yeah. like what like thematically makes a good song a good song change, or those things remain constant in some way? It's thematically, like, yeah, like a short song, a song that starts with a chorus, a song that sings about a certain thing. Yeah, I mean, thematically, there's it's always exciting to hear a song from a perspective that you haven't heard it from. That's well written. I'll tag that on the end, but that's like the thing. It's yeah. gotta be well written, which is like yeah. well expressed. Right. But like to express something is to like an expression is born from a thought, right? Right. So you have to be really good with your thoughts then in order to express it correctly in some degree. Yeah, I I uh to express it like in a way that's you. I know yeah. that's like the most abstract thing, but I th- one thing that gets me excited and I I, I'm not going to, like, we started out with Carl Young. Like, I didn't say that exactly like him. And I won't yeah. say this the exact right way. But um, I heard, uh, I actually think it was Garth Brooks um, inducting someone into the Hall of Fame. Somebody that wrote, you know, a was bunch it of his songs. It wasn't Kent. I love Kent. It, it, yeah. it was. Uh, okay. Gosh, I, I can't remember, but but about this writer, Garth said, um, 
you should never and i don't know he he might have t- taken this from someone else i don't know but he said you should never be able to guess what the next line of a song is but when you hear it you should know it couldn't have been anything else oh that's so really wow that it's marvelous like that is the thing it it's it's like that explains especially country music like what i love about country and i wasn't i wasn't a country music person growing up even though i'm from west tennessee like we listened to fm 100 which was the pop station in memphis and oddly enough i was at a wedding about a month ago and one of the the dj's from fm 100 was at my table and i was able to be like oh my gosh i listened to you like growing up it was so weird um i love that yeah oh that's brilliant meeting people who were behind the scenes that you didn't even know you were going to meet one day yeah Yeah. and and he was so cool he did not disappoint (laughs) which is kind of fun sometimes people do disappoint it's a big bummer yeah hurts your heart a little yeah yeah we've probably both met a couple of I've been disappointed. Yeah. I've been the disappointment to some people. Oh, I can't imagine. Oh, sure. Yeah, totally. I have. Yeah. Sometimes I've, it's been after a show and, um, it's just like not the right time for me. And I, I just, oh, you know, and I yeah. just, I just can't, I don't even know I'm acting in a certain way and I come off a certain way and you know, that, that hurts somebody's feelings. That's and gotta it's gotta like, be so hard. I think we were talking about it earlier about like, I try to take less responsibility for, for, for things like as of lately, I try to be like very accurate with what I'm consciously taking responsibility for. And if like, Mm -hmm. you know, if, if I run into somebody like, um, this happened the other day at, uh, Acme feed and seed, um, someone came up to me and they said I was the reason they moved to Nashville was to become a guitar player. Wow. Like I was their inspiration. I'm, I'm not surprised. I just think it's so cool that, and I said, wow, because of the feeling well, like, I think it's wow. what it must be to hear that from somebody. Well, my whole thing, like when I hear something like that is like, I don't want to like accept that. I don't want to, I don't, and I don't know what that is, but I do. Cause humble. it like feels too big for me. Like it. Humble. Yeah. I, is it humble or I th- like, I feel like being humble is like, have you heard the phrase of, you would rather be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war? A warrior in a garden? Yeah, than a gardener in a war. A warrior in a garden? That is, I'm gonna think about that for a minute. I know. That's interesting, because it's so different. Well, it's like I would rat. I think what that means is like you're a person who's like integrated enough parts of their personality into just who they are mm-hmm. to where you can exist peacefully but still be in power and still of control of yourself. Mm-hmm. When someone tells me something like that, like I'm, I instantly will tell myself like three reasons why I should not accept that. And it's like, that's interesting. Like, so like I analyze that as of late and it's like, I'm trying to like not take responsibility for whatever that voice is saying and just kind of say like, you know, fuck off. Okay. (laughs) There's a couple things like that I want to throw out at you from that. Oh yeah. So, you know, we talked about being humble and all that kind of stuff. So humility is 
not uh, not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. Right. And so... That might be a parallel construction of what I was just saying, which is like taking less responsibility. But but you can own that. Like right. this person, it doesn't shock me at all that somebody saw you and went, oh my gosh, I want to be a guitar player like Daniel. And like they see you on Broadway or whatever. Like there's like, yes, I'm sure there's a more than a handful of people that have, you know, you've been the inspiration for. And like, I think you should own that. It doesn't mean... You have to think about it all the time and like get away from your connection with people because of that. Right, right. Um, or with yourself. Yeah. But it, I mean, it's it's hard for me to, you know, sometimes I will meet somebody in the workshop or whatever and they'll be like, gosh, you've done so much or whatever. And I just think like, Really? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I feel like I, you know, just like had to pivot my whole business here, you know. Right. But that's so funny. You think? That. Yeah. That's so great to hear. I so like that same. You're so you're feeling essentially the same thing I feel. Yeah, but you know what that um, could come down to is imposter syndrome. Mm, right. So I I took an online class last year. Um, that was an entrepreneurial class and there were 330 people on the zoom call. Every person had imposter syndrome, <laughs> every person. And they were all trying to start these new businesses and they <laughs> were so all, funny. and even me, I was like, yeah, I want to do these songwriter workshops, but why would a songwriter want to sign? I'm like, why would they not like who has more experience than me doing that? You know what I mean? It's like of all people to think like, well, why would somebody want to do that? I have like a thousand reasons why somebody should want to, right. but I felt like an imposter, you know, right? it's so crazy how that creeps up and it's right. So many people have it, you know? Yeah. So what do you do? How do you like work with I it? I think you recognize it and, and you, just you go, it. Right. that is so dumb. Right. And then, then it actually kind of like, if you were to view the thought, cause that's a thought pattern, right? It's like mm -hmm. a mechanism mm -hmm. that like works and creates a feedback cycle. Right. And so it's like, if you look at that machine, that's like in your clockwork, if you will, you can see like that gear is broken. Like it's not generating the right thing. Mm -hmm. It's almost like it can kind of just like fall off in some degree. But imposter syndrome is hard to like get rid of because it feels habitual. Yeah, it's an automatic way. response. Right, but it's itself. you telling yourself a story that isn't necessarily true. Right, and you're not like the you're not the hero in that story. No, it's I like, think it's. I think it just comes with mm -hmm. personal work and like stepping right. into stepping into your story in a way Whoa, you know that's just great. just like hey you know if i and i think about people that right that have stood so strong in 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 their gifts and and what if they hadn't like i people that know me know that i love oprah i just do i love oprah winfrey and I, and she's 
she's just been an amazing force for good in so many ways. And oh, she yeah. talks to people and listens to them. And she's very one of the most powerful humans ever. I right. know. And, and just, and people like Maya Angelou are right. Angelo. I always get that mixed up because it's L O U. So Lou, I guess Angelo. No, it's Maya Angelo. Anyway, that woman, I, I want to write down everything that comes out of her mouth. There are certain people like that too. Like if you've ever met Mike Reed, I feel like I just want to write down everything he says. I haven't met Mike. Oh my gosh. He has such a beautiful presence. And he, 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 if, if I was, if I were casting a movie and I needed a voice for God, I would call Mike Reed. Right. Could you please do this? <laughs> it's just, I don't know. Right. You know, he's just amazing. Have you ever seen her? Have you seen that movie with Joaquin Phoenix? No. It's a pretty interesting movie. But it, it like, they, um, has nothing to do with what you're saying. But it's it not was, the one about the phone. It's about the phone and, like, yeah, the technology. Yeah, Scarlett Johansson. Them. Right. And yeah. so her voice in, like, your psyche when you're watching that movie is kind of like God. But like in the feminine. Yeah. And it's like, that's another like thought I've been having. Yeah. It's like, we kind of paint God in like this masculine way because of the Bible. But it's like, oh, if I was, if pick, God were a woman, like yeah. that'd be a, I could totally see that. I would have like, picked Maya. I would love Oprah. That would totally work. Yeah. Oprah, Oprah would, would kill be it. Good too. Or Reba McIntyre. <laughs> she <laughs> would be a good God. <laughs> I can't do it. I was going to try an impersonation, but I wouldn't want that to live on in the smart podcast smart. history. Yeah, good to be aware. Oh my gosh. I saw um, a very interesting conversation. Well, there was a show that used to be on the Sundance channel called hmm. Iconoclast. What's that? Um, With C-L-A-S-T? Yes. Okay. It would take two iconic people, pair them up, and put a show around them. Like one really interesting one that I saw was Deepak Chopra and Mike Myers. I'm like, cool. Mike Myers knows Deepak. What is this? And, um, actually there was something I'll share with you that I, I wrote down from that. And this was like, gosh, so many years ago, but Deepak was saying he had met with many creative people, but the truly creative ones, were the ones that were secure in their insecurities. Big and humble. Same thing, right? So why yeah, secure? secure in their insecure. Like, right. I know I'm vulnerable, but I can live in this place because I know it pays off for me, sort of. And I thought of several songwriters that I knew. Um, really? When he said that. But so Maya and Dave Chappelle were paired oh, together. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I oh my Dave gosh, Chappelle. they had such an amazing conversation, even about language, certain words that Dave used that Maya felt, you know, they, they had a very interesting conversation about that. And she was just like, you know, made this poem about it almost. She just said, I just think that words are living, breathing things and they get in your, the texture of your upholstery and the things you know and she's she was just saying to this young man i don't think you should say these certain things uh -huh. dave Chappelle is like probably my favorite 
comedian ever. Um, but it was it was an interesting exchange about it, and they were so respectful. And then she made this great Southern dinner. It's just it's a great show. I think it's on Amazon Prime, Iconoclast. Amazon scares me. Amazon's really scary. It's like everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's music everything. Is, Amazon's gonna own music in a couple of years. Like there's no way. I but they're know. not going to. I think that'll be a good year for like independent artists. I wonder like when that's gonna happen. Like when people just get you when know, does like Spotify just like send Luke Combs a record deal? That's just like the best deal ever. Yeah. When it's just does like that why wouldn't happen? that? I don't know. Like you own your masters, fine, we don't care. But like you know, and we're going to put you on everything, create album experiences for you. And it's like, that's another thing too. Like, um, shifting it back to music a little more. Um, it's like, have you noticed this? Like I was asking you about things that have changed with songs, a good song, like Willie Nelson said it, right? Like if it was a good song, then it's a good song now. Mm. So, but like the way people release songs now has changed immensely. Mm. Like I've noticed just like in the past two months, there's been albums that come out that have like 16 songs on them. Mm -hmm. And there's like a movie, there's a, there's a film experience that's paired with it. And there's all kinds of video components and video elements. What do you make of that change? Well, and then the opposite, just single right. at a time. Right. Or what do EP, they call them? Focus tracks. Right. You know, the, here's the six pack from, ex-country artist or whatever um the six pack yeah. i've never heard it phrased like in that way that's fun yeah i right. i i i think it's a free-for-all is what i think right and like so don't care just put it out right and, and i yeah i think people are not as precious about music anymore and it's like you know i just heard bill maher say this the other day to somebody like uh are there really 10,000 amazing artists every day? You know what I mean? Right. Like, no, um, there's not. Yeah. So <laughs> right. I, I just hope that on, on the inside of streaming platforms, like I think, I th and I haven't even ever said this before, but just talking to you about mm -hmm. it, I, I hope that we get better at like the little two percent of real estate that is there for indie artists i hope we get better at finding out what the great indie artists are in in that huge sea of right. of stuff that's coming and i just with the people in my workshops and and people that i manage like i'm trying to get people to stand out as authentically and interestingly as they can. Right. And that comes down to, uh, you what know, what does that I, come down to? Well, I, I've just said this a lot, but like I, there was a part of my career where I worked on American Idol. In and, what capacity? Um, I did the audition tours, kind of like a preliminary judge. Um, it was this beautiful timing, like 2006, right when Carrie Underwood exploded from that show and they needed a country A&R person. And so I got that call. Cool. Um, and That's amazing. Yeah, it was really fun because wow. at the time the show was, you know, Nashville was a buzz about it because of Carrie. And I still, you know, I made great friends that are still doing the show today. I actually just finished up a consultancy for them for, you know, just finding talent. But, but 
um, I actually did the tours with them, and you would go to a city three times um, if if you were on the schedule for that year. But on that second, you know, you'd weed down from the stadium or arena to like 250 to about 150. Well, in the 250, you, you would be going in front of executive producers and and. Um, not the celebrity judges, but, you know, to see a little bit more about you and, and they would want some information about you. So the producer, supervising producer would come into the room where the kids were and they would say, how many people in here love to sing? And everybody would raise their hand and he would go, that's not interesting. I need you to think of something, you know, that's interesting about you we're going to pull you for right. a little interview so i think the same thing about releasing music like at, you know oh. you gotta start with great great songs great recordings of those songs great artists you know all the all the music you know that's a given it has to be really amazing in some way but then the way that you use that pitch tool and spotify or whatever um you you've got to you know, don't start out like, um, I'm a guitar player from Nashville, Tennessee. Right, like don't um, don't just give your personality away by just being some archetype. Yeah, there's a, there a right, million, like, I'm a singer-songwriter who right. grew up in, that's all they're gonna see. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. And it's like. Um, that's why I think like storytelling's the, you gotta know what your why is, right? Right. Right, and okay. and what like maybe that if it's your personality maybe there's something really bold about you or or so, you know it's um you and and even like right now on our phone if we pulled up Spotify we could do this with you and see what's on there yeah we could pull up your Spotify on the mobile yeah and go down to the very bottom and see what the first line of your bio is. Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. We might have to. We just updated it, I think. Oh, good. Let's, yeah. This is the test. And this, you know, I mean, every little thing helps, right? When you're. All right. Let's see. Oh, that's a nice picture. Thank you. Um, so let's just say. That. Lise Laughlin. I've, I've got your new album. I do like that picture. Yeah. And I'm scrolling down here. This is on the fence for me, Daniel. I'm going to say, at the age of 14, I discovered one of Nashville's best-kept... Secrets. But, like... Or could you say, like, what... Yeah, let's do it. Let's re let's, 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 let's update it. <laughs> no, I don't care. Let's go. I want to be better. But yeah, maybe you do. there's, I wanna... like... Okay, I have to give a shout-out to um, Jake Rose, who I used to manage, because I just thought he had such a great first line... And it was like I make oh, I make music for the front row, not music row. And I was like, that is so Jake. I love. Oh, that. okay. So it's like, what's your yeah? What's like, your slogan almost? Yeah, like, like what? What? Let's set you apart. Like, like, cool. I like something that. at the at the beginning of this that might catch people's eye. That you know, maybe it's something about cosmic country, right at the beginning that makes people yeah, click on that. You know. Maybe the first two words are cosmic country. Cosmic country is my genre or something. I don't know. I'm sorry if there are marketing people listening that are 
having a heart attack right now, but no, I, I just like right, every little thing's got to be like idealizing, draw you in because you're up against so much. You're right. You're right. You know. You're right. That's so true. That's so true. Cosmic country. I've one thing I said in the video was I'm cosmic creating country. a new genre called cosmic country or something. I've created. Or something like that. Like it's, you are to me that I I think of you. I think of your guitar playing. Yep. You you know watching you like jam at Roberts on your live streams and stuff and like, yeah. and it's cosmic country. Like you're very true to your brand. Right. I gotta so. think of what that is. Yeah. Cosmic country. I one thing I said at, at one point or someone told to me. Was cosmic country is everybody's country. Ooh. And I liked that. Yeah, that's good. I think maybe you don't stop there, but I feel that thing that you did, that ooh, like that thing, yeah. like, that's the same thing that happens like in a writing session. Like, yeah, you draw, draw, draw them in. Like you're just trying to get them on your, you know, to listen to another song or something, you know? What if I ask my fans how I should start my Spotify? That would be fun. Just to see what they say. Yeah. Right. If, yeah, if you like, make music for the front row, you should ask them. Yeah. Or, like, or you know, what's what's the most unique thing about me? Fans, or or you probably say say it differently. I don't know if I'd ask people what is unique about me. <laughs> Just because, like, they don't know me as well as I know me. Yeah. But I would want to know, like, how, like, how someone would paint me. But this is all part of the entrepreneurial conversation because right, you have a product, right. you want feedback. Like, right, right. Should this be, you know, do you like this package or do do you need, you know, does this need to be plant based or does this, you know what I mean? Right. Um. So even you know with the workshops, do you want more publishers or do you want more? Uh, inspirational thing or do you want to talk to managers or here's one thing that I learned is I did do like a Google survey and just say you know anonymous like how's this going and all these different questions to get information and I was asking people what they wanted more of and I gave them that but I had one thing on there that nobody checked and it was um, mental wellness and nobody checked that and I gave it to them anyway because I knew that they needed it and it was everyone's favorite class <laughs> so I think you have to give people what they're asking for and then right. maybe something that you know they need that they don't know that they need right right so very powerful words those are very powerful a lot of experience behind those oh my gosh <laughs> let me just repeat that so i get it because okay. that was real um you have to give people what they want and then you also have to give them something that they didn't know that they wanted right that you didn't that they didn't know that they needed needed is different than different wanted. yeah how are those different do you think um because I, I feel it. I just don't know how to. Yeah, you how to say it. 
Well, I'm just thinking of it in the terms that that I came up with that. Like, um, I, I know that they think they want a publishing deal or a manager mm-hmm. right now or a, right. Um, you know, record deal or but really what they might need is a better song or a better co-writer or better so they want these things but you give them something they need to get to the things that they wanted oh my gosh right whoa (laughs) can i ask you a question that spun off of that sure i also want to let you know i i wasn't trying to digress off the spotify bio i like the idea of of updating (laughs) that i want to we will in time um so like I think there's a difference between like a goal and a vision. And I'm, that's the thing I'm starting to realize. Like if like I'm all about like recently like radical responsibility for mm-hmm. like for things that you really should be responsible for and things that, you know, you're probably taking responsibility for that are no fault to your own doing. But it's like one thing I think is like you got to be really responsible and like know what your vision for your life is. And then like change and then like understand that goals are born from that vision. So is that something you see people or p- perhaps could use work on that they're not thinking of? Because it's like, I wonder if that's where it all comes from. It's like the, that's where the, when the slot machine rings threes, like when you write it or when you play it and it happens live or the thing that people do, when that thing is coming through when it's doing its best job, I think it's like coming from a person who has a vision, not just a goal, but like a vision. So just so I understand like so you're talking about a vision as a more almost like a more general thing like more like an intention right and then a goal would would be like more of attention like like um I have my vision way out here but I think these goals will help me get to that vision, but I don't know exactly how that vision is going to play out. But like, maybe I see myself in a, you know, it, it what is that big festival in London? Shepherd's Bush or whatever. Or Shepherd's Bush Empire. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I see myself there with, you know, 80,000 people. Right. But I've got to do my next show in Louisville and my next show, you know, I right, think globally act locally. Like, yeah. Um, is that what you mean? Or, or you, like, what's your vision for yourself? So it's like, like, I think it's like being too strict on details. People are too strict on details. Mm-hmm. Like you were telling, you were telling me the story about this house, how you were planning this house mm-hmm. since seventh grade. Mm-hmm. And this house is astounding. Thank you. Absolutely. But it's like, that was part of your vision. Mm-hmm. And then you were loose, like you couldn't help but be loose on the details in some way. You probably were trying to hold on to some things along the way, but like life is powerful enough to like loosen you. I and mean, you got it. It's like interesting. Yeah. The, the house is a whole like, whole like m- manifesting conversation that was almost like mission. In right? spite of myself. Right. In spite of myself, because I, I was telling you, I lived in a. Right farmhouse in burns tennessee for 20 years and when i say a farmhouse like it was a one-room log cabin at one time and it had been built on um wow. nothing up to codes or anything like that really 
Yeah, and I, of course, like, I, like... That was a conscious choice. Yeah, I because at the time when I could afford a house, there were certain areas in town that didn't feel safe to me, and then this house was way out in the country. It had eight acres, and I was like, well, I'd rather live there than, you know, be, like, fearful or something. Um, but I just loved it so much. It was so peaceful, and my job was very social and people like needed a lot from me. So I would kind of retreat there almost and, mm. and fill myself up. Right. But yeah, even the, the whole, like if I told you the story of this house, I was pushed into it in a way, like I found the three acres here and I was just going to buy the land and I couldn't buy the land without moving these septic areas because you can't drive over the septic areas so the guy from the city or whatever was like well what are you going to build and I was like well I'm not building yet well I don't know if I can move them well but I just want to buy this land to well what are you going to build so I went online and printed out the HGTV 2013 dream home <laughs> and i put it what? on the land where'd you get that idea that's crazy. i just you could register to win that and i would register for it every year just i don't know why. that's very optimistic yeah right. so i put that on there and Good i practice. showed the guy i was like i'm gonna build this and he said okay it's approved or whatever and then that just really strangely started the building process and these people started showing up this great builder great designer and one of my friends um said uh how's how's the building process going and i said it's going great like i had so much fun and he he goes uh of course it is you're single <laughs> right. So I didn't have to compromise right. with anybody but myself, but, you know. Right. <laughs> right. It's high in with song- songwriting as of lately. I've noticed that. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We keep getting off of the music part. But well, I don't know. I don't view them as so different. Yeah, I really don't. The, I try to stop that. It, it was mind. a creation and yeah, it was it like a manifesting. It's a thing vision. Like, a vision for sure. You know, if we're going off the Maya Angelou thing, it's like, Angelou, it's like, well, it's like, you know, if, if the words that you sing and the words that you write are the are your furniture, you don't want to compensate on those, negotiate mm-hmm. on those. And mm-hmm. You don't want to do that with your own actual furniture, mm-hmm. your own actual house. Mm-hmm. It's so it's beautiful. You know, uh, when we first sat down, we were, we're just in the dining room here, and mm-hmm. the, there is a statue over there that actually, um, I was just really drawn to that um it's a wood carving and it's really old and how old do you know i don't know i know it was shipped over from i think india or something i have a little thing about it with um but i was really drawn to that i didn't know what it was and and it really became the focal point of building the house around that and what it is is a statue mm. of the Lady of Compassion. Of compassion. Of compassion. And is that how she lost her hand? Yes. Yeah, so she doesn't have a hand. And I always said, like, I'm drawn to that because it's like this really, you know, beautiful, you know, little. I don't know if you'd say that was like a princess or something like that. With the imperfection of not having a hand, 
Right. And, and then when I found out the name of it was the Lady of Compassion, like I feel like I just love like oh. it's still so beautiful without the hand. Yeah. You know? So like there are parts of yourself that if the world takes them away or damages them, you are still whole. Right. Or the, you know, the perfection of imperfection. Which is humanity. Right. Oh. We just solved everything, Daniel. <laughs> 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 well, I hope a lot of people take classes with you after the, hearing this conversation. Um, and oh, you can absolutely so invoice me for this. Oh, if my you'd gosh. Like to. <laughs> Never in a million years. Mm. Well, thank you. This was fun. It, it was, was really so fun, fun. I'm so happy to see you in person. I know it's been a while. It has it was, been a um, while. At, you, I forget what you said it last year, right? I came to the VFW. Which oddly has good music right now. Oh so my random. god, it was so fun. Right. I got asked to dance and Did you dance? I bet you can dance very well. Oh no. Okay, I can't. That's why either. I don't understand TikTok like TikTok what, weird. Why do all these people want to dance? Like I don't, I don't get that. I know. TikTok's so strange. Very strange. Yeah, it's very fast. We should I just posted something today that said, um, your next level is not in your comfort zone. Right. I heard Where some, you find you fear, you find your task, right? Ooh. So we should post a TikTok. Oh, us dancing? No, not the dancing. We can do a TikTok. I'd be eager to see what that is. Yeah. I don't, I've dancing, never done yeah. one. So maybe we'll get out of our comfort zone and do one. I do think getting out of your comfort zone is definitely, that is the thing. That's why I was telling you about like not negotiating with people, like writing by myself. Like I, I did like a lot of, like just for like speaking in a euphemism, like a lot of bullshit rights of like just finishing songs that I didn't care about. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, maybe you gotta do that. And yeah, <sighs> that I think might've been a scar from growing up here where you hear of like, the people that really do inspire me, like they came from a place where there were no songwriters, like telling them how to write a song. Wow, that is so interesting. Like John Prine never had somebody oh, John when Prine. he was like delivering, you know, like delivering mail to like tell him like how to write Sam Stone in his head. You know, it just came and he got out of the way. He like, in spite of himself, like. Yeah, can we just talk about John Prine like, did you ever work with him in any capacity or? No, I wish I, but I, I, when my dad died, wow. uh, the giving tree had come out and, um, the song, when I get to heaven, do you know that song? I do. It's the last song on his last record. Yes. And, and I was, that song gave me so much comfort because my dad would definitely be having a cocktail and smoking a cigarette that's <laughs> so nine miles funny. long. Oh my gosh, that's my dad's favorite song off that record. Uh, mine too. Yeah. And I just, I, it just made me so happy, you know? Yeah. And I did, I did see, um, he did a New Year's Eve show. I guess that would have been. 2020 like january 1st 2020 or december 31st it, it was at the grand Ole opry yeah with old crow medicine show right um, i remember that yeah i i was at that show with you my friend gary show. oh my gosh it's, and he passed four months later it's the only time i've ever seen him live and wow. i was just so happy to to be there at the at the show and and so sad that 
He was one of like the first big heroes that passed. Him and Joe Diffie like in the same week. Did. Yeah. Yeah, really odd. Really, really Charlie, odd. Charlie, uh, mm-hmm. Charlie Pride as well, and Charlie Pride. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. Um, thank you, thank you. I can't think of anything else I want to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to take a class to get into more detail. But I was just I I one thing was one thing I I remember when I think you reached out to me. Right, was it via email? I think it was a random. Oh, I just, I was thinking this whole time, how, how do we meet? But I'll tell you exactly. When I started the workshops, I thought, well, I need to like get some good people in here. Let me go to um, uh, New Music Nashville oh, right. and see who released a song. And so I listened down through that list and I loved your music and I reached out to you from there. And Do you remember the song? It would, I don't because it was uh, almost like a year and a couple months ago. See, I wonder in my mind if I'm being transparent. I wonder, like, how good could this song be if you didn't remember the song? Because then it's like, no, you, I remember. You know? No, you don't understand. Like, that I've had about maybe 200 students or whatever oh, since then. That's a lot. With songs, and then I have clients that I manage. That's why I'm saying that. Oh, wow, that's a lot of songs. Yeah, so. How do you take uh, in all those songs? Do you listen like a certain window of the you day? You know, I tell my people that I manage, like, I know it's like you you finish something, you work on it, you want somebody to hear it. Like, you've just spent all day or maybe two or three days on this, and like, you want, you're excited, you want, but it might not come to me at a time where I'm really open to listening. Mm. So I'm like, wow. I'm going to, I'll listen when I'm not stressed out or I'm not this or that. But going back to what you said, like even that day, I went down through the list. There's like 50 or so songs on that list, but I didn't reach out to everybody. I reached out to like maybe four people. But here's the thing I will admit. I DM'd you and then... I got really embarrassed because I was like, oh my God, this guy's got like, he's actually a huge deal and I'm just acting like he needs to come get some advice from me. So I was embarrassed. Well, for some reason, I because people do that all the time to me. Like they always like say like, I need to help you. And it's like, okay. I didn't. But then you though, when we sat down, I don't know what it was. I think it was perhaps because you were getting back on the vibration thing that started this whole conversation. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you're speaking from a truthful place. Maybe so, but we just ended up like talking on Zoom. Like we would have these just conversations on Zoom, and it was really, really fun. Yeah. And then I, yeah. I think we've hooked up some rights and stuff like that. Or Kyle, with Kyle Crownover, like that's been the best thing that's come from our friendship. Is like Kyle. Kyle oh my is gosh. so brilliant. He's like he's so smart. So he's smart. So realized in who he is, and a little bit funny. Immensely funny, <laughs> and he operates with humility well. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he was just on the podcast. I'll have to put these episodes. <gasps> yeah, yeah, he has some stories. Oh my gosh, he's out touring with the new COVID protocols, and like some of them are just like so hard on the on the industry that he's in. You know that yeah. size artistry. Um, <laughs> and his perspective on it's so funny. It's like it gets you kind of out of that political state of mind where it's just kind of whimsical and fun oh my gosh that's so i need to tell this story's for you kyle but um my Uh niece is in college and uh 
doing part-time jobs. And at the time she was working at Walmart, like checking people in for shots. Right. And they had some leftover shots, you know, like right when the vaccines first came out and they said, go out and, you know, see if there's anybody that wants, we've got like four shots left over. So she went out and she was like, excuse me, would you like to get your shot? And this one lady was like, I ain't getting my shot at Walmart. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, it's like, well, it's the same shot. But um, <laughs> I said, what did you say? She, she said, I just said, good luck. <laughs> I said, good luck. <laughs> that is all you can say. Yeah. Wow. Walmart, that's funny. Yeah. I don't know if we should have ended on that, but. Well, hey, where yeah. can people, um, we can add that. Oh, that's fine too, if you want. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where can people find you? Where can people wor- work with you and like get these? Because you've given me a lot of ideas. Also, honesty, coming from a place of honesty, coming from a place of truth. You're va- you, you say valuable things in nice ways. Um, and you want to help people that are coming from like a real place. And you're coming from a real place. You're not just like, obviously, you're a legend of sorts. <laughs> oh <laughs> right? my gosh. That's... So. No, it's true. It really is. It's like, it's interesting how some of your caliber is less like, but you're, you know, you're trying to expand your network and bring value to people in a way you never have before, it seems. Well, I do. Like so kind. I do want to bring value to people. And I, I I mean, gosh, I've learned so much just even doing the workshop myself, you know, Um, and seeing what people need and and figuring out how to get it to them. But yeah, so um, for the workshops and private sessions and stuff like that, I have a website. It's called lpcreativetherapy.com. And um, they just, that name came about because I, and and I meet with hit songwriters too. You know, it's not all like um, indies or whatever. It's like all different kinds of people. but I was meeting with that hit songwriter and, you know, he was kind of venting and he said, this is kind of like therapy. And so that's where the name came from, LP Creative Therapy. Mm-hmm. So we work on your creative wellness. Creative wellness is mm-hmm. great. It's almost like, I don't, this might be too abstract to end with, but recently I've been thinking of like creativity as like an association with an external thing. Mm. And like you can't tell it like when to show up. Like it works in nonlinear ways that don't understand like mm-hmm. our ways of working. Mm-hmm. That's something I've been thinking because I I've recently like I've identified like for years I just feel bad if I'm not I feel guilty if I'm not creating something or if I'm not practicing or I'm not doing something like intentionally derivative to music or related to music or if I'm not even yielding like something that's good. And it's like well. Maybe it's not just you that's involved in your creative wellness. Maybe it's a, there's other parts of your personality or, or things like that. Or maybe altogether, it's like a separate muse. It, I, I think, like, for me, it comes, I, I can't determine when it comes. Right. But I, I feel like this past year, more than ever, I've learned to recognize it's, it comes back to presence i think i've learned to recognize when something's dropping in right. and i just write stuff down right um which is why i have notebooks everywhere and like the other day or not the other day but several months ago i was just got this thing uh you need to write down 
tips for songwriters that just was coming. And I had a notebook and I just started writing. I ended up with like 10 tips and then a bonus tip. And I just like, you know, stream of consciousness wrote it down. And when it was done, I thought, oh, well, that's interesting. Whatever. I went about my day. Well, a few um, days later, my friend Forrest Whitehead called me mm. and he said, hey, I want to do this course called Pub Dill Prep and I want to do it with you. Right. And I was like, well, that sounds really cool. I love the name. I don't know what I would say. And we kept talking. I said, you know, what? let me, I wrote down this thing the other day. Those 10 tips and the bonus tip, that was like the beginning of our course. Right. And right. so right. I think if you just pay attention right. to those, like if you can be present enough practicing right. presence and, and knowing when those downloads are dropping in and just stop everything you're doing right. and pick up a pen. <laughs> right. You know, right. and, and write it because it might be something for later. Tactile. Tactile. Get that good feeling. Put that thicker paper, that yeah, good yeah. feeling pen. Right, right. Just all the good stuff. <laughs> right. Brilliant. Such good advice. Thank you. Thank you. This is so fun. The wow. most fun I've had. Really? In quite a while. Oh, it's great. That is my friend Leanne, everyone. And I, I, I assure you that you can tell from this conversation that she's truly a remarkable person. And, uh, her level of strength and commitment and vision is just admirable. Um, very wise, honored to call her a friend. She's remarkable. I highly suggest you check out uh, LP Creative Management. If you are a creative person, a songwriter especially, and you're looking to find uh, some guidance and perhaps connections that you would not have been able to find otherwise without her, check out her platform. It is it is remarkable. Um, thank you for listening to this conversation. Um Please indeed go to Cosmic Country Club on danieldonato.com. Sign up for that. That is going to get you access to all of our tour dates for the rest of the year. We are legitimately hitting the road for the entire year. Um, we are recording music soon, but there's nothing to announce there in any way, but you heard it here first. Aside from that, I want to thank my sponsors and my friends, Osiris Media, for hosting The Lost Highway because this road needs a place to go. Topo Chico for keeping us hydrated on and off stage and betterhelp.com. It's a legitimate place. If you're looking to go for consultation on anxiety, workplace related issues, marital issues, personal issues, and you want to do it in a safe manner that is also very affordable, losthighway.com or um, rather betterhelp.com slash losthighway. Thank you guys so much for listening. Keep it cosmic, my friends. And that means keep it patient, persistent, and positive throughout all of these moments of consciousness throughout your day, your weeks, your months, and your years. I'll talk to you all next time. Osiris.